All right, so for a, a couple months, I've been pondering a theme from God's Word that seems impractical. I've noticed words like continually and all the time and every day, and what struck me as I've been just reading God's Word on my own time is that those themes are about different actions. So I wonder... How do you do all these different things all the time? Day and night, all day, continually. I mean, even if you're just doing one thing, like all day is enough to do one thing. So how do you do many things all day, every day? And so I was meditating on God's word and, and these themes, or this theme that was emerging to me and asking God, how do we live this out? And to answer that question on a micro level. We're going to get into a tool today that you see in your lift notes. But on a big picture level, I was feel, felt like the Lord was reinforcing this truth to me, and I believe it's a good encouragement to reinforce with us, is that our relationship with God, the way this works about continually all the time and every day, and it's a lot of different things, is because our relationship with God is not a part-time job. It's a full-time identity. Following Jesus is not in any way meant to be compartmentalized into a certain few activities that we do in a certain set time of the week. You know, lots of good churchy activities. You do a couple things here and there, and then you move on to the rest of life where you just do your normal life. And then kind of like you got your God stuff over here in a, in a couple little time slots. In fact, like, you look at Jesus' life, and he would blow that out of the water and say, no, that's, a, that's the religion that he came to destroy, the religious sense of thinking about God, where it's just categorized into these little areas, and then the rest of the life isn't affected by God. When Jesus says, I've come to be Lord of your life, it literally means master of all, to reign in every aspect. So our relationship with God, fundamentally and absolutely, is what life is all about. Not for a select few, not for professionals, for every single person who is a follower of Jesus, a child of God. Now, life and with God is what you are all about. God is what life is about. All day, every day, into eternity, it's our full-time identity. And as we embrace that identity, we can respond with appropriate actions, relationship-type actions, and as we do that, we're going to stay more and more connected to him throughout the day, all day, every day. That's kind of the goal. And therefore, experience him in an overflowing, abundant life kind of way. And this is kind of where a cool connection came to me as I've been pondering this theme for a few months. And the last few weeks, we've been going over a theme that, that Don was really struck by, this sense of overflow, and so we did a few messages together on that, and I feel like this is a convergence of those, a continuation in a way of how do we live a life of overflow? If we're made to have our soul satisfied and connected to God in such a way that we live life overflowing, an abundant life, how do we grab onto that? And we did some tools last week, and in a sense, today is 
another tool, another answer to that question. And so I've developed a little acronym here. I was excited because it felt like it just lined up exactly as I was in the prayer time. I was like, wow, that's this theme I've been wrestling with is, is an answer to the, the, the theme that Don was asking and how do we live in overflow. And so we got a little acronym to help you maybe remember it. If you don't like acronyms, don't worry about it because it's, it's, it's really simple. It didn't start as an acronym. It wasn't like, hey, I want to develop a tool around an acronym. No, it was like as, as these themes from my own study time in God's word were emerging of prayer, the word, thanks, and praise, and how all of them are described as something we do all the time and that doesn't make sense practically, began to wrestle with it, meditate with it. And so today's kind of a, a flushing out of how do we live into these things all the time? And putting it in a little acronym, there is actually a connection with the idea of overflowing. They do make a nice little acronym of power tap. So if you think of this question of how do we live a life of overflow, well, you got to tap into the power. You tap into the power of God. And so today, we're going we're gonna to go for, go for, we're going to go for, we're going to squirrel a power tap, sorry. So here's an acronym. How do we continue to build into and live into a life of overflow? Power tap. That's how you do it. Power, or excuse me, prayer, the word, thanks and praise. So if you want to kind of try to remember, it's the power tap. I, 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 I got to be honest. I don't like acronyms. <laughs> but as I'm trying to remember, I'm like, okay, what's coming up? Prayer, the word, thanks, praise, thanks and praise, tap. Like, you know, it just kind of starts flowing a little bit. Here we go. Prayer overall, the word every day, regular thanks and praise. If those become kind of the, the default posture of your life, you are going to stay connected to God in such an absolutely greater measure than, than you knew was possible, and your life will overflow. The abundant life will flow through you. So we want a power tap. We want to tap into the power. So let's break, it, let's break these down. Let's get into it. P, prayer overall. Again, the theme that was emerging to me was just this kind of like continuous nature of all these different actions. How do we live that out? One of the famous ones, 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Going to put four versions up here on the screen because they all bring out a little bit of a nuance of that word in there. Pray without ceasing is the ESV. NIV, pray continually. The message, pray all the time. The Passion Translation, my wife's favorite always, and this is a great one, wow. Make your life a prayer. That might be the best of all of them. Make your life a prayer. As I've shared many times, like this verse used to terrify me because it's like, how is it even practical? I mean, we got stuff to do. We got jobs and kids and blah, 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 all those tasks of life. How do you pray all the time? And there was a book that I was given in, at, I think, 19 years old as a mentor that absolutely revolutionized my life in direct answer to this terrifying question that seemed so boring. How do you pray all the time? That sounds really boring. Brother Lawrence, Practicing the Presence of God. If you haven't read it, I strongly recommend it. It's got to be in our top five of books. Here's a quote from the book. 
He was a 17th century monk from France. He had a conversion experience at 18, walking alone in the, in the uh, wintry forest of France, encountered God, joined the army, after serving for four years, came out. Six years after his conversion experience, he joined a monastery. He was assigned dish duty, like for life. That's like a prison sentence, right? And through that struggle, through that frustration, through that boredom, through that loneliness, he developed this prayer, this continuous prayer method that has... Is, is revolutionary in its nature. Takes this idea of pray without ceasing and puts so much flesh and bones on it, life to it, power, intimacy, beauty, awe, wonder, attraction. Here's a couple of his quotes. I make it my business only to persevere to remain in his holy presence, wherein I keep myself by a simple attention Listen, I know it's like old language, but simple attention and a general fond regard to God, which I may call an actual presence of God, or to speak better, a habitual, silent, secret conversation of the soul with God. He's just saying, I posture my heart in a, faith-filled expectation of, I'm just always talking to God. I'm just always with God. It's always about God. It's always about communion with God. My soul is postured in this just little simple attention to God, where God's like the first. It's prayer over all. Like God is my first default position in my mind, heart, and spirit that life's just about God. I'm just about God. God's just about God. It's all just about God, even if I'm just doing dishes. It's just connection with God is everything. And so he practiced this. His book is very full of the authentic and, and difficult at times struggle that it was to develop this. So one of those quotes is, is good to Soak in for a moment. He says, I found no small pain in this exercise, and yet I continued with it, notwithstanding all the difficulties that occurred, without troubling or disquieting myself when my mind had wandered involuntarily. So there's an intentional retraining of the mind, and he's confessing that it's hard at times. He gets distracted. I mean, how much more are we going to get distracted? This dude's just alone with dishes. <laughs> like, how much more do we have to be distracted about? I made this my business as much all the day as this being, that, that just conversation with God. This is my business as much all the day long as the appointed times of prayer. So that's kind of where there was the liberation moment for me. When I hear the Bible say, pray without ceasing, ceasing, I'm thinking of appointed times of prayer. And I'm like, I don't want to do that all the time. And he's saying, that's not what it's about. You can have a continuous prayer with God all the time. So he says, I made this my business as much all the day long as appointed times of prayer. For at all times, every hour, 
every minute, even in the height of my busyness or business, I drove away from my mind everything that was capable of interrupting my thought of God. And I love that. My thought of God is prayer. My thought about God, my regard towards God, my quiet, just simple attention to God, that's prayer. Prayer is, 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 is simply this, this recognition. Prayer, I believe, is, is sometimes we make it too complicated. It's just a word to describe continuous conversation, continuous connection, continuous communion with God. That's what we're made for. And yes, it's good to have set times of prayer. I am not trying to take away from that. But when the Bible says pray continually, make your life a prayer, it's talking about the, the kind of prayer that is simply describing a conversation with God that's never meant to end, a connection with God that's always supposed to be there, a heart, mind, and spirit posture that's recognizing that I'm made by God for God, to be with God, and that never stops. So I want to, on my part of the relationship, like Brother Lawrence say, God help me develop this continuous prayer mindset to where he says, even in the height of my business and busyness, I'm driving away every thought that's keeping me or would be interrupting me of thinking of God. So he's saying, even in the height of your business, whatever it is, your business or your busyness, even at the height of that, it's possible to be having that soul conversation and connection with God. That's prayer over all. Amen. And it takes practice. But it'll change your life. To believe that that is what you're made for and to then put it into practice Five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 50 years. He goes on to say, at some point, I don't have that quote, that he developed this to such a degree that he would, ha he would be alone in the kitchen doing dishes and have such great heights of pleasure that he would have to control himself from bursting out into joyous, rapturous praise and song because he didn't want his fellow monks to think he had lost his mind in the kitchen. Yeah. And it's like, yes, yes, that's, I want that life. Maybe, that, maybe that's why I've learned to love dishes. I don't know. Brother Lawrence <laughs> blessed me with the, with the dish anointing to find him in the, the doldrums of dishes. But that's, it's so attractive because it's like that's kind of the worst menial task. He's saying, no, from the, the worst menial task to the height of your busyness, God wants to be found. I mean, you could flip it the other way. Is there any place in God's word where he says, don't seek me here. I can't be found. No way. He wants to be found. He wants us to learn to live that my life is a prayer. So prayer over all. That's the P. In power tap, and really is kind of the umbrella. So these next three, the word, thanks, and praise, they're under prayer. They're under conversation, connection, communion with God that happens all the time. So the word, here we go. 
Psalm 1, 1 to 3. Again, think about that theme of the continuous all the time, every day. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. On his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. In all he does, he prospers. Man, that's an attractive promise. I want to be that guy. In everything I do, I prosper. I want that to be my life. And that's God's promise for my life. That's God's will for my life. That as I stay connected with him, I will overflow like that. It's just straight in the Bible. It's good. Sometimes these promises are too good for us to be like, well, I don't know about that. I'm not worthy. You're right. That's why Jesus died on the cross. So step into every single promise in the Bible. They're yours in Christ. But it seems impractical. Meditate on God's word day and night. It's like, God, I've got stuff to do. I can't just, what, go alone in a closet and write down a Bible verse and memorize it and just day and night, I'm meditating. I'm memorizing scripture. That's not practical. Especially when you add in, I'm supposed to be praying all the time. I got my prayer list, and now I got to memorize scripture all the time. It doesn't work. I'm becoming more and more convinced that we actually all meditate all the time already. Meditate just simply means to chew on. To think is to meditate. So really the question is not, are you meditating? It's, what are you meditating on? And this verse is saying, make a choice. Are you meditating on what the sinners and the scoffers have to say? Or are you delighting yourself and chewing on the promises of God? make a choice. Are the headlines of your mind filled with the truth and promises of God's word? That's what you're meditating on. Or are the headlines of your mind filled with the lies of the world, the sinners, and the scoffers? Make a choice because you're going to meditate on one of them all day long. Because God made you to think. And in some ways, we can tell what we're meditating on by our hope levels. I personally think that's like the number one indicator of what are you meditating on. What is the headline in your mind right now? Check your hope level. If it's low, you are not filling the headlines of your mind in that moment with the truth and promises of God's word. You probably got the sinners and scoffers barking in your ear. Hope. Hope is everything. Hope is what God's word does. Hope is what God does. Romans 15 says, may the God of all hope, Romans 15, 13, it's not in your notes, write it down. May the God of all hope fill you with hope. So here's the reality. God is full of hope. That's what that verse says. May the God of all hope. God's not sitting up there watching CNN being like, oh my gosh, my hope levels are sinking right now. Or any other news outlet for that matter that causes your hope levels to sink. 
or any other source of information that causes your hope levels to sink, like your friend or your neighbor or that message inside your head that causes your hope levels to sink. God's not listening to any of that. He's a God of hope. He knows who he is. He knows what his promises are. He knows his power. He knows his kingdom. And I love that because we can be honest about the fact that as humans, seeing the pain in the world and the brokenness and at times our powerlessness on our own strength, our hope levels dip. To feel our hope levels dip is human. But God is the God of all hope. He's got plenty to give out. He's got plenty to pass around. He is a wellspring of eternal hope. And if you want to overflow in hope, tap into the eternal wellspring of hope. You are not, and the world is not. Sinners and scoffers are not, but he is. So when you need hope, there is one who has it. And he wants to fill you with hope. That's what Romans 15 says. May the God of all hope, that's Pastor Paul just praying a blessing. May the God of all hope fill you with all hope in all circumstances. I absolutely am convinced that a primary way to do that is guard the headlines of your mind and make a choice. I believe not only is there a choice, there's permission from God to not pay attention to headlines if they are dipping your hope levels and you're not trusting in God and not believing that God's gonna do awesome stuff and not having a pep in your step of hope for the day. God wants you to be filled with hope. That's why Paul prays it. May the God of all hope fill you with hope. If he wanted you to walk around despairing <laughs> and that was a holy thing, he wouldn't pray that into people. So we can feel it as humans, but when we feel those hope levels dip, we need, our minds need to be washed in the word of God that renew our hope. Because you're not shining the light in the world if, if you're feeling hopeless. And that's where I do believe we have permission. We are not the savior of the whole world. We don't need to engage in every single bad thing going on in the world. I personally don't think we're made for it. Like back in the day, you, all you knew about was like your village. And then maybe you heard a little bit about a couple other villages. We have the capacity now to find out detailed information about every village on the whole planet and all the problems in the world. And that can be overwhelming because we're not made for it. You are not made to solve every problem on earth. Start with yourself and your family. And when things start going good there, look a little bit outward. But our world right now says, find out about all the problems everywhere till you just feel awful and do nothing. Whose plan is that, God's or the enemy's? Hope is your privilege and your responsibility to steward. Don't let the sinners and the scoffers be the headlines of your mind. Wash yourself in the word of God every day so that you stay connected to his truth, his promises. And all I, what I, we don't need to have the entire Bible memorized. When it says, you know, meditate on God's word day and night, 
You just have to have enough of God's truth to face the situation right in front of you. And you can tell when you don't. And that's back to that hope levels. You get into a situation with yourself, with your family, at work, maybe serving out in the community, wherever it may be. And you can tell. Do you have the word of God with you right now? Because if you do, then the word of God is framing the whole situation with truth, with perspective, with biblical worldview, with kingdom worldview, with the hope of God's promises. And you take it into that situation. And there's a certain confidence that is with you when you, that's what God's word does. It fills you with confidence and hope because of who God is and what God's perspective is on this situation that I'm facing. And that's, that's what we need to take with us. And now, if you're going through your life and, and you're feeling hopeless, but you also have no idea what God's word says about that situation, then yes, stop, make time, and get into God's word until you know God's answer for that situation and let that then become your headline. So I'm not in any way trying to say don't spend time in God's word. Spend a ton of time in God's word. But it's, the point is, but and then you're supposed to carry it with you so that you go through the challenges of life. And as you face this and you face that and you face that, there are headlines in your mind of God's truth, not the sinners and scoffers. And so let's say you get into a situation, you're like, oh, I don't even know what to do here. What would God do? What is, what's God's perspective? And you're, ah, I don't have hope. Ah. It's okay. Slow down. You're covered by grace. That's like that referee of the spirit that we talked about last time going, just take some time then. Get in the word. Talk with a friend. Listen to a sermon. Get perspective from a, a godly counsel that takes you back into the word of God, that gives you biblical worldview, that gives you kingdom mindset, that washes your mind in the word like Jesus says he does for his bride, washes our mind from the filth of the sinners and scoffers, renews our mind. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's God's truth and promises for that. Okay, you get washed, you get renewed, and now you're meditating on that truth and you can go back out into those situations. So it's basically like take the weapon needed into the situation at hand. That's what God's word is. And then as we do that, it becomes, okay, day and night, now that makes sense. Because I'm always thinking and I'm always facing you know, problems and issues and circumstances where I'm even subconsciously referring back to my worldview of truth of what do I think is going to happen right now? What should happen right now? What do I believe about this situation? What's my worldview? What's my belief system? We, that's, that's like running in the background all the time, whether we realize it or not. That's why we're always meditating. We've always got beliefs that we're taking into every situation. And so this is just about making sure those beliefs, if we want to tap into the power to overflow, let those beliefs be continued to be renewed and washed and, and increased, surrounded in his word. That will help you with your power tap. All right, these last two kind of really go together. Regular thanks and praise. Regular thanks. We'll just take that one to start. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. So then, just as you re receive Jesus Christ, continue to live your lives in him, 
rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thanksgiving. Hey, look at that word, overflowing. We're made to overflow. And then let's move down, first, uh, Colossians 3, just a chapter later, verses 15 and 17. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. There it is. That's what we built the message around last week. That's the referee of the Spirit. Let the peace of Christ referee your hearts, where the Holy Spirit guides you and directs you, blows the whistle to kind of keep you in line with his peace, his power, his presence. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Hey, the word, there we go, the Bible, it's good. Dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. I mean, it's all right there. It's crazy. It's like, it's all about being led by the Spirit. There's that prayer element, the Word of God is key and central to it all. We're singing praises to God and each other. I need to see a little bit of that more happening. Come on, let's, let's be dancing and singing to each other. Singing the word of God to each other. Hey, you need some encouragement? I got it. Okay. Thankfulness in your hearts to God. And verse 17, here we go. Whatever you do. There's one of those big whatevers. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God. Look at this all-encompassing. It's all day. It's every day. It's continuous. It's whatever you do. So therefore, nothing that you do is outside of whatever you do. God wants to be all of it. He wants to reign in all of it. He wants you connected to him in all of it. And one of the specific ways it's talking about that power tap connection to him is gratitude in all of it. Giving thanks to God all the time. It is a lifestyle. It is like the default posture of a Christian. Why? Because we're these crazy people that believe that although we deserve hell, God came out of heaven and went through it for us so we could have heaven. Do we have something to be thankful for? And everything else beyond that, that as James 1 says, every good gift in life we have is a gift from God. So Christians should be leading the pack in complaining. Oh, shoot, sorry. In gratitude. No, a complaining Christian should not exist. We have so much to be thankful for beyond our wildest dreams, beyond what we deserve, that yes, maybe we can be honest and talk about the problems a little bit tiny, just long enough to face the problem and overcome it with hope and gratitude. But man, Thanksgiving is our default posture. I'm in traffic right now. My life's so bad. Oh, come on. No, no. We have so much to be grateful for, and it's all undeserved. Let's not start complaining. Let's not start complaining about what we deserve. That's a bad road to go down. We are the crazy people that say we don't get what we deserve. I don't want to talk about what I deserve. I don't want to complain about what I, want to deserve, what I deserve. I want to just be grateful for what he's bringing my way. And it really is a posture. The more we experience grace and intentionally soak in it, meditate on it, make it our everything, the more, whoa, gratitude. 
Gratitude. I'm so thankful for this. I don't deserve it, but I'm thankful for this. This is grace. The whole, the definition of that is undeserved goodness. And our confession as Christians is our entire life is based on undeserved goodness. Well, if it's all undeserved, I have nothing to complain about. Only things to be grateful for. Now, I'm not saying there's never a place to say life's hard. David complains in the Psalms. And then typically by the end of the psalm, he says, okay, sorry, God, actually, you never failed me, and you're awesome, and you love me, and you always come through, and you're amazing. Good job, David. <laughs> way, way, way to finish there. How much more now that we have the cross? Can we finish there? And maybe just stay there. And maybe just a tiny little, oh, life's hard right now. God, thank you so much for everything that you've done, that you have done, that you will do, your promises that are coming my way. So I'm not saying don't be honest, but I'm saying as we Seek to live life with God in connection, in conversation, in communion, basking in his grace that gratitude is meant to be the default. I mean, it's literally, this, this, this is the Bible message. Colossians 6 says, we're overflowing with thanksgiving. Go back to Colossians 2, verse 6. So then, just as you received Christ, continue to live your lives in him, rooted, built up, strengthened in the faith, and overflowing with thanksgiving. So, it's the natural outflow of when you are rooted in Christ, believing who he is, believing his promises. The natural outflow is you will overflow with thanksgiving because more and more you're realizing how good you really have it now and especially all the way into eternity. That's a power tap. Lastly, praise. All over the Bible as well. Psalm 34.1. I will bless the Lord when everything goes my way. His praise. All right. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And down in Psalm 71. Psalms are full of this stuff. Psalm 71. 8, 14, and 15. My mouth is filled with your praise, declaring your glory all day long. But as for me, I will hope continually. Ooh, that's good. And will praise you yet more and more. My mouth shall tell of your righteousness and of your salvation all day long. So here's the theme. <laughs> I'll be in your word day and night. I am going to give thanks in whatever I do. I'm going to sing praise all day long, and I am going to pray unceasingly. How are they all supposed to possibly be possible? Because they're all the same thing. <laughs> it's all just the same thing. You're made for a relationship with God that's never meant to get put on pause. It's full time. You're his child. He wants you to recognize he is with you always. And this praise piece is huge, huge, huge. It's the opposite side of the coin of gratitude. Whereas gratitude is where we are thankful for what he has done, praise is simply that adoration of who he is. And we get to know who he is through what he's done. So they're like right there together, thanks and praise, thanks and praise. I encourage you, look through the Bible. Those two things are very often next to each other in the same psalm, in the same verses, thanks and praise, because they are the same 
thing. They're, they're, they're two sides of the same coin. God is, let's, let's take some of his character. If I'm grateful for God's forgiveness, let's say, I have gratitude in the morning. Wake up. Thank you, God, that you forgive me. I maybe take communion. I'm celebrating. Thank you that the blood of Christ covers us. Then I turn it up into praise in awe of God who chose to send his son to be incarnate in the world and die for sinners like me. So that's thanks and praise. If I'm grateful for my identity as a beloved son, that I get to wake up in the morning and I receive this gift of grace, beloved son, blameless, spotless in his eyes according to Christ, then I turn that up in praise of a good father who loves me even more than I love my own children. And I stand in awe of that and I praise him for his goodness. If I'm grateful for good relationships in my life and say, thank you, God, for this relationship and thank you for that relationship, thank you that I see you work in there, then I turn it up in praise in the one who designed us to live in community. Thank you, God. And that's even a reflection of his nature, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the communal nature of relationship in the Godhead. And we get to experience that. And I praise you. That is beautiful, God. If I'm grateful for a specific answer to prayer of provision in my life, then I show that gratitude and then I also turn it up into praise in the one who promises to be my provider. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. How many places does Jesus say, don't worry about that? What you're going to eat and drink and clothe. Uh, you know, pagans worry about that. I'm your provider. If, I think, if I'm thanking God for a healing that took place, which I, I'm going to say in faith, some of you are experiencing a physical healing today, tomorrow, the next day in your body. You thank God for that healing, but as well you turn that up into praise of God who is the healer. And that that's his nature. He is God the healer. He named himself Jehovah, was it Rapha? Jehovah Rapha. I am God, your, your, not the, your healer. It's my nature to care about you and heal you. So you can say thank you, but you can also praise me for my nature. It's beautiful. It's awesome. Is there a God like you? No. So that's gratitude and praise just working in tandem all day long. Anything you can be thankful for, the other side of the coin is the nature and character of God who is the giver. Gratitude and praise are, I'm trying to find the word for it. Maybe you can come up with a better one. I, I honestly don't know. It's like the default. That's our default posture. It's like the bread of the Christian life. That's something maybe to think about, to meditate on. They are, they are just this life connection to God. As followers of Christ, they become our default posture. So as we put these things together, this is God's word, and there's probably a number of other things that I left out that this you know, acronym should keep getting longer, <laughs> of the list of the things in God's word that God describes as everyday all day, continuously, unceasingly, never stopping, all day long. So maybe that'd be a fun study for you to do and add to it. But these are at least four things. Prayer, the word of God, gratitude or thanks and praise. 
that when we recognize these are all day, every day for all of them, quite simply because God wants us to be in relationship with him all the time, and that never stops. As we then do our part to say, Lord, help me seek you. He's called us. He says, seek me, seek me, seek me, and you'll find me when you seek me with your whole heart. He wants us to stay connected all day, but there is action steps on our part. If you look at each one of these, we can choose prayer to just be this one little time of the week, or we can choose in the meditations of our thoughts to not be God's word and be sinners and scoffers. We can choose complaining over gratitude. We can choose something (laughs) over praise, or we could choose to praise other things rather than God, worship other things. So, Each one of these things, there is a choice on our part to say, God's saying, will you value me? Will you value the relationship that I want to have with you to where I become your everything? I want to be your everything. And as you make those choices to engage in that power tap, and I am your everything in increasing measure, Your life, I promise, will overflow with the abundance of heaven. And that's a good promise. Let's pray. I I felt like the Holy Spirit was um, highlighting a tool, the tool of um, thanks as the turning point. And so I want to share just a real simple thing that I do. Um, Two words. As the world comes at me, and you know there's, you know, hard things, things that aren't in alignment with God, things that we're contending for. Um, You know, when the word, when that that verse that Casey um, was reading in Colossians, those couple of verses, you know, when it says, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And then there's other verses about, you know, give thanks in all circumstances. Now, um, that's not giving thanks for all things or attributing to God the work of the enemy. There's something that we can do when there is the work of the enemy that's, you know, obstructing our pathway in life. And the thanks and praise is huge because um, it can be just a very simple way to align us with, oh, I thought it was still up there, all of that, that power tap. So I've shared this tool before, but it's literally a very simple, when things come my way, thank you, Daddy. I'm immediately aligning with him. I'm listening to what he is saying. I'll give you a practical example. Um, Our family got super sick from living in molds in multiple houses. And my son is living on Catalina, and he calls us yesterday frantically because there was a drip in the sink, you know, a leak in the sink uh, outside of the little shack where he's renting. It's literally a little shack in a backyard in Catalina, so it's, you know, not so bad of a shack, and he loves it. But, um, and there was mold there, and he put his face down in it, and he said, Mom, I started getting my throat closing up and all these yucky symptoms. And he, you know, was scared because he had some yucky neurological symptoms in the house we were in before this where he just had pain all of the time. Um, and it took a long time to go away. But he, my point is that he was faced with this circumstance. 
and just freaked out. And so fear is a natural emotion. We all have it. We all, you know, get scared about things and worry about things. And so I felt like the Lord just um, wanted me to help him in that moment. KJ, instead of taking refuge in fear right now, you're just scared. I want you to lean back into Jesus. Thank you, Daddy, that you're taking care of me. Thank you that you always take care of me. And thank you that you're going to show me what to do. There's just that shift. Thank you, Daddy. That it's like thank you is almost like this turning point where you're turning. Thank you, Daddy. And then speak his word out. Speak his praise out. Where you're shifting those emotions. You're shifting where your gaze is set, not on the problem, but on the one who, you know, solves the problem, parts the Red Sea, and changes everything. So I just wanted to, to add that on to this um, really powerful and amazing message and just kind of, yeah, we just want to bless us, bless us right now. Lord, we just thank you. I will sing a new song.